0: City, W.L.C.C. Brandon.
1: Faith Talk Tampa. Online at letstalkfaith.com. Download the Faith Talk Tampa app.
0: Following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre-recorded.
1: Too many churches just have a doctrinal statement that doesn't affect their lives. You have some pastor up there preaching away and nobody follows what he's saying anyway. But the Bible teaches that if this is true, we live this way. And that's what Hebrews 11 is all about. So that's the whole point. The way that we endure persecution and spiritual warfare and difficult circumstances is to be so sure about God's promises that nothing causes us to live for today's pleasures and to be disloyal to Jesus Christ.
2: In a few days, we will have a close look at some people in the Bible who really were so sure of God's promises that they stood firmly in their faith, even in the face of tremendous trials and persecution. They really believed, and we know that because they walked the walk, even in impossible situations. How we behave in tight spots is the test of our faith. Now, It's easy to say we believe to say we have faith when things are going well. But to paraphrase James 2.26, obeying God when doing so hurts or is expensive, that is how we demonstrate our faith. Thank you for joining us today. You're listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel. Pastor Steve has been serving there in Clearwater, Florida for over 25 years. The purpose of Verse by Verse Ministries is to make his clear, practical teaching available to a larger audience. Now, we're just getting going on a study of faith based in the 11th chapter of Hebrews. Today is the middle portion of Pastor Steve's introductory message on this subject. Now, this is a vital topic. Verse 6 says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. So, if we want to live lives that please our Lord and Savior, we had better find out what faith is all about. There are lots of trite phrases and cliches which really don't give us a lot of help. We think that as we move on through this series of studies, that you'll find plenty of real help in understanding faith and walking in it every day. Now, let's get our Bibles and notepads ready. Class is about to start.
1: Secondly, faith is not a blind leap in the dark. It doesn't say, hey, I want to believe this, so I think I will. It makes me feel good about that. Uh, about that. Well, that's not faith. Faith is not a blind leap in the dark, just I, I hope it's the right thing. I, it's wishful thinking. It, it, I want to believe it. It, it. So it must be true. That's not faith. Also, faith is not vague and nebulous. That's something kind of floating out there. We'll just believe. Believe what? And faith is not based on feeling. I have peace, so this must be what God wants. Uh, it may be that you just have an emotional release and not necessarily peace. Faith is not, as I said, wishful thinking and longing. It has an object And that object is the word of God. It is based upon the conviction that what God says is true and reliable. And don't fall for people's schemes in the name of faith if it's not based on Scripture. You see, this is the way, and the reason I say this is this is the way the Old Testament believers lived. God promised them a future coming Messiah. He promised Israel a future coming kingdom of righteousness and prosperity. And they didn't know a lot about it. They didn't have as much light as we do today because they didn't have the New Testament. However, they took these promises as the foundation of their lives. That's why you could say faith is the foundation or faith is the substance. And they built their lives upon it. They never abandoned their their uh, confidence in God's word. And even when it cost them their very lives, they lived their lives out to the full, believing that God would keep his word. That's faith. They had confidence, assurance, even though they didn't understand a great deal. What, what did they understand? They, they hardly understood things. They had some promises. We know far more. They didn't even know that the, that the kingdom would be a thousand years. Nobody knew that except God until the end of the book of Revelation. But they believed God. What does that tell us about the way God wants us to live? It tells us a lot. It tells us that like Old Testament heroes, we aren't to live for the moment. We know that what we see today is only temporary. That's all it is. Better things are ahead for the future, in the future, for the child of God. So we take God at his word and persevere regardless of the difficulties. That's what this tells us. And that's what the writer was saying to the Hebrews who were, were threatening and some had already forsaken Christ. He's saying, no, you don't need to do this. Live like your forefathers. They didn't abandon the Lord. They persevered, even if it cost them their lives. So our focus is not to be on creature comforts. That's what we said last week. That's why when they had their property seized, they said, you accepted it joyfully because you knew you have something better in the future. So we don't live for creature comforts, but on the certainty of God fulfilling his word about the future. These people in Hebrews chapter 11 live their lives with great certainty, and it affected the way they lived. In other words, the Bible to them, or what should we say, God's promises to them, Scripture, was not just a theological doctrine that they had. It wasn't just that they said, I believe this. It's no, I believe and I live it. See, that's the Hebrew way of thinking. The Hebrews said, this is God's word, therefore I will apply it to my life, and it will affect the way I live. People... Our philosophers today, and they say, oh, this is a, our theological doctrine, so what? You know, in our Constitution, one of the things there, it said uh, it says something like this, we believe and teach, and we could very well add, we believe, teach, and live this. Uh, too many churches just have a doctrinal statement that doesn't affect their lives, have some, some pastor up there uh, preaching away, and nobody follows what he's saying anyway, but the Bible teaches that if this is true, we live this way, and that's what Hebrews 11 is all about. See, that's the whole point. The way uh, that we endure persecution and spiritual warfare and difficult circumstances is to be so sure about God's promises that nothing causes us to live for today's pleasures and to be disloyal to Jesus Christ. You just read, and we're gonna go through these, these characters in Hebrews chapter 11. They lived what they believed. Why? Because they were confident that God would keep His word, because faith is the assurance of things hoped for. So, what can we say? What you and I believe about God's promises of future events ought to affect the way we live. Let's look at 2 Peter, just a few pages over. 2 Peter, you'll come to James, then 1 Peter, then 2 Peter chapter 3. And beginning at verse 3. Now we're going to have to go against the grain of society. We're going to have to go against the majority who laugh at the promises of God, and one area in which they mock is the coming of Christ. 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 3. Know this, first of all, that in the last days mockers will come with their mocking. Isn't that the case? Following after their own lust. And by the way, this is the reason why they mock. Not because they have scientific evidence or because, uh, they have some proof that the Bible isn't true. It's because of their own lust. Because of their own desires. Because if they admit that there's a God, that they are, then they are answerable to that God. And so they just dismiss God. It's their sin that's the issue. Not some kind of scholarly, intellectual thing that's going on there, in their thinking. And here's what they say. Where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. I mean, everything's just going on uh, the same way it always has. For when they maintain this, Peter writes, it escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and by water, through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. But the present heavens and earth by his word are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. What he's saying is this, when they mock and say, and don't turn away from Second Peter yet, when they mock and say that all things continue as they always have, Peter says it escapes their notice that God created the world, and most of the time they don't believe in creation anyway, but God allowed things to go for a while, and then he intervened in the flood which was new, which was different, which means that things do not continue the way they always have. If God says, they stop and he intervenes. And that's why he says, and God is reserving the present heavens and the earth. He's preserving it by his word, and someday he will stop the way things are because he will return and judge this world. Verse 8, a word of encouragement to us, but do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years... As one day, the Lord is not slow about his promise, as some men count slowness. That is to say, he does not tarry, he does not delay. But he is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. God hasn't judged this world yet because he's going to bring some people to himself. And he's gracious and he's giving them the opportunity. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. Now watch this. Here's the application. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Looking for the and hastening the coming. Of the day of, of God on account of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. But according to his promise, we're looking for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found in him in peace, spotless and blameless. The The point of Peter is to say that in light of what's coming in the future, you ought to be different right now. Don't live for today and all the material things because they're going to be burned up anyway. All the things that we treasure are gone. So why live for today? And that's what the that's what Hebrews 11 is about. That's what Hebrews 11 is about. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, you don't need to turn there. I'll just read it to you, a very famous verse. But let me put it in this context, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. What's he saying? Because there's a coming resurrection, don't give up. Always persevere. We don't give up because we are certain that there is a future resurrection. So the future and the promises God has given us affect the way that we live. That's, that's what he's saying. And that's certainly true of the heroes of faith, and that is what God wants for us.
2: There is more to come right after we pause to welcome those who joined us after the start of class. You're listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been ministering since 1981 at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you are ever in the Clearwater area on a Sunday morning, please feel free to join us for worship and then stay around afterward to meet Pastor Steve. He would be most encouraged by your visit. Lakeside is located at 1893 Sunset Point Road in Clearwater. That's halfway between U.S. Highway 19 and the beach. Lakeside operates one of the finest K-5 through grade 12 Christian schools in the area. If you're looking for a quality, Christ-centered education for your child, you can learn more about Lakeside Christian School at lakesidechristianschool.org. At Lakeside, kids are a ministry, not a job. The phone number there is 727-461-3311. Again, that's 7274613311. And the website again is lakesideChristianschool.org. If you missed the start of class today, you can listen again at our website versebyverseradio.org. That's versebyverseradio.org. I'll give more details about the website and I'll repeat that address again at the end of our program. I'll also tell you where you can order an audio CD or cassette, of Pastor Steve's entire uninterrupted message. Now, let's return to class and to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1.
1: So faith is the assurance of things hoped for, but there's more. Also in Hebrews 11, verse 1, not only is it the assurance of things hoped for, but it is also the conviction of things not seen. In other words, every true believer has a God-given conviction in his heart that what God has said is true even though he can't see it he can't see the fulfillments he hasn't seen the fulfillments of these promises but he has that conviction in his heart it's as good as proof it is the proof and the evidence that what god says is true we are convinced of things that we are unable to see you know i remember in the early days of my of my christian experience uh going through some real questions as to the inspiration of the Bible. I I was not raised to believe the Bible. I was raised on evolution and humanistic thinking. And and then all of a sudden, uh, the Lord drew me to himself, and I was faced with a million questions. Uh, Is this book true? Is it inspired? Does it have errors? Uh, all, All of these things. It was a very difficult time to sort these things out. But you know what? After coming to Christ, I can look back now, and I can say, even though I had questions and doubts, I knew in my heart, I knew that it was true. Why? Because God puts within every believer's heart the gift of faith. You may have intellectual questions. You may not have all your questions answered. But every believer knows that the Bible is true. Even though we may struggle at times, we are convinced that these things are true and they're so real even though we can't see them. An illustration, and this is why it's great going through this chapter, because you have all these illustrations from the chapter. Uh, Verse 7, how about Noah? By faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence, prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. Things not seen... You know, there are some comedy routines. I think Bill Cosby has done this about God speaking to Noah. There's going to be rain and Noah saying, what's rain? I to think about that. God said, I'm going to send the flood. What is a flood? He never saw this. He didn't know what God was talking about in terms of actually seeing it, but he believed God. And so for 120 years, Noah preached righteousness and nobody particularly cared, but he believed God even though he didn't see these things. Noah was uh, had never seen them, but he was certain that it would rain. How about verse 27? By faith, speaking of Moses, he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. He saw by the eye of faith, but not he didn't see physically. Verse 13. All of these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance means that they saw them by faith. They had a conviction in their hearts that these things were true. And, and this is all throughout the Bible. For example, remember Thomas, doubting Thomas, who said, unless I actually see and touch uh, him, I will not believe. Jesus said, Thomas, you've seen And now you know, but blessed are those who will not see, but will believe. Let's let's turn to there. John chapter 20. I want you to see something, because this really fits in with what we're saying, that it has to be anchored to the word of God. John chapter 20, verse 29. And it's a lot better when you just turn there and you can see it for yourself. John 20, verse 29. Jesus said to him, that is to Thomas, because you have seen me, have you believed? And the answer would be yes. Blessed are they who did not see and yet believe, but you say, but wait a minute. I, I haven't seen. It. How do I know it's true? How do I know if I've not seen? Verse 30 and 31. Many other signs, therefore also, Jesus, therefore Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. Thomas believed because he saw signs and, he, and he, visual, he could visualize it, but verse 31 says, but these have been written, these signs, these incidents in the life of Christ that you, may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. In other words, how do you believe? You haven't visually seen. You anchor it to the word of God. That's how you see. You anchor it to the word of God. Faith is based on the promises of God. I don't believe in Christ because I've seen him. If someone says that they've seen him, I, I question their sanity. That they have visually seen him. Because Peter says in 1 Peter 1, 8, 9, whom having not seen ye love. Nobody sees Christ now. However, we see him on the pages of Scripture, and we believe. Now, why is it, and this is an important question, I think, why is it that we Christians, we who know the Lord, have this assurance and conviction about God's word, but others don't? In fact, they laugh at us. They think it's absolutely ludicrous and childish and silly that we believe in an ancient book such as the Bible. You know, why Why, why is it? And, and there are intelligent people on both sides. There are intelligent people who believe. There are, there are intelligent people who don't believe. Why is it that we who believe know for certain we are confident of these things? But others say, oh, they're just fables, just childish stories. The reason is, is that faith is a gift from God. You can't analyze it. You can't explain it. You, you can't intellectualize it. Faith is a gift from God. For example, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. What is the gift of God? The whole package. Salvation is a gift, but faith is included. You know, the Bible says no man seeks after God. Just uh, going over that for my class tomorrow night, that no man seeks after God. No man, no one seeks after God. Then how does... Anyone come to know Christ, God seeks after them. That's how. And I don't understand it. It's mysterious. It's beyond me. But God does a miraculous work in our hearts, and he gives us faith. That's why you believe. That's why you believe. You may think it's because you figured things out, and now you understand. Uh, that's from man's perspective. But the way it really is is that God placed faith in your heart. Let me show you some other things. Philippians chapter 1 verse 29. This is very important. If you can't turn there, just write it down. Philippians 1:29. Paul said, "For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake not only to believe in him but also to suffer for his name." So suffering is a gift from God. A gift that we probably don't thank him enough for, but also you have been granted for Christ's sake not only to believe. So to believe is granted from from God. It is a gift from God. Second Peter, chapter 1, verse 1, Second Peter 1.1. One, one. Simon Peter, a bond slave and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours, you have received a faith. That is a gift. God gave you that faith. You have received it as a gift, not just salvation, but faith as well. And, of course, you can't separate those two, because when you have faith, that is what brings salvation. Those who don't know Christ don't have this God-given faith in Scripture. Now, they have faith, but it is a natural kind of faith. When they're sick, they go to the doctor, at least most people do, because they have confidence, they have faith in the doctor to help them, at least faith that he knows what he's talking about. Uh, when you go to a pharmacist, you have faith in him that he's going to give you the right prescription. Uh, when you go to a restaurant, you have faith. You, you may not think about this, but you actually have faith in the cook. He's not going to poison you. I mean, you have faith. Everybody has that kind of faith, but that's natural faith. That's natural faith. Everyone has that. But we're talking about supernatural faith to believe the scriptures. That's a gift from God. So that's why you have it. But you base it on scripture. God puts that in your heart, even though you may, you may be struggling with some doubts now about God's word. Uh, you don't need to. I think there are answers, and we're not saying be an ignoramus and don't look into evidence and don't read books, and, and you ought to. I think the Bible can stand our investigation, but that is not why you believe. You believe because God has given you that faith. Those evidences, uh, uh, and we call it apologetics, may strengthen your faith and encourage you, but they will, uh, they will not give you faith. And that's why an unbeliever can read all the books on apologetics that he could possibly want to read and still not be moved in his heart. Even though intellectually he could see things, he's still not going to be convinced. It has to be a gift from God. So what does this mean to us? It means true faith just toughs it out. True faith toughs it out and endures all kinds of adverse circumstances because you have complete confidence in God bringing his promises to pass. You've never seen heaven, but it's real. I have a friend who always likes to say that to me. I don't understand it, but it's real. And that's true. It's real. It's real. It is It is substantial. You, can, you, you feel like you can even touch it. And you are willing to endure hardships today because of the fact that, that the future is better. You have God's Word on it, and you know He's telling the truth. You absolutely know it. Now, we can deepen our faith, and we can mature, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So you've got to spend time in the Word to nurture that, but it is a God-given gift, and it is based on Scripture.
2: There is much more yet to come on the subject of faith, but our time is running out. In our next class, Pastor Steve will finish this introduction to Hebrews 11, explaining, among other things, how vital faith is pleasing to God and how it enables us to understand things we could never comprehend without it. Thank you for listening today to Verse by Verse. It's a Bible class of the air taught by Pastor Teacher Steve Krylov. Pastor Steve has been teaching and ministering at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida for over 25 years. God has blessed the ministry and made His messages available over the airwaves through verse-by-verse ministries. We are a faith ministry which depends on the prayers and gifts of interested listeners who have first been supportive of their local church. To listen again to today's class, point your web browser to versebyverseradio.org. You can listen online or download today's program. You can sign up for our free podcasting service or you can navigate to our archives page to hear previous broadcasts. We also offer a complimentary newsletter. That's all at versebyverseradio.org. Today's program was the second part of Pastor Steve's three-part message introducing Hebrews chapter 11. If you would like to hear the entire message at once, please call us at 727-239-0306. You can order a cassette or audio CD. But leave your name and a number, and we'll return your call during weekday office hours. That number again, 727 7-